Last week, uh, we posted a new uh, video on our church website, and also it appeared on our Facebook page. Did any of you see it this last week? Now, a lot of you did. We had, in the first less than a week, we've had more than 2,000 hits, views of that video, which uh, kind of shocks me. But uh, I want to see it again. How about you? All right, let's watch. If you have always... If you have always thought that you could never feel at home in a church, you might be surprised. Maybe you have questions. Here are a few that we've heard. What if I'm nervous about visiting? We have all been new ones. Hospitality is offered here. What if I'm not sure what I believe? We walk this path together and we invite questions. Growth is offered here. Won't the church judge me? Come as you are. Just please wear clothes. Grace is offered here. My life is a mess. Are you sure you want me? Jesus came for all of us. Forgiveness is offered here. Don't churches just want my money? We are interested in relationships. Community is offered here. Aren't all churchgoers hypocrites? We are all imperfect. Hope is offered here. This is a place where you can meet God. Love is offered here. You're invited to discover a church where you can feel at home. That's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. Uh, I want to thank our questioners, Jeff, Roseanne, Nate, Mel, Larry, and Cameron, our host, Kayla, our videographer, Alex, and Jen Robinson, who championed the project from start to finish. So thank you, all of you. Um, Faith Westwood is one of 39 churches in the metro, uh, joining together, focusing on what love can do. And uh, I was wondering if any of you have a, had a chance to go to Westroads in the last few weeks, uh, Thursday through Sunday, and see the Love Can store. Any of you done that? A few of you have. Anyway, today is the last day it's going to be open. And if you go today from between now and 3 o'clock, uh, we've got Faith Westwood people serving at it. So it might be kind of a cool thing for you if you want to to stop by after, after worship or after lunch and just kind of go see what it's all about. Um, now, one of the things that I, I like about Jesus is that he came right into the world the way it is. He didn't come into the world that was already kind of new and improved. He just came right into our, our, our yucky stuff. Uh, he came into this world of bias and bigotry and prejudice and pride. And Jesus said, okay, everybody, I'm announcing a new thing is, is starting up called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not a place. It is a life of loving obedience to God. And Jesus not only talked about it, he showed it to us. He demonstrated, he modeled what this God-centered kingdom life is like. And in God's kingdom, love can break down the walls that divide us. 
And that's what we're talking about today is breaking down walls. Now, to understand the, uh, the passage that, uh, we, that Brian just read for us about Jesus and the Samaritan woman, we're going to have to dip into just a little bit of geography and history. First, geography. We'll put up this map, and some of you know I really love maps. <laughs> I love maps. So, uh, to the north, there's Galilee, uh, and that's where Jesus lived pretty much most of his life. Uh, he was grew up in Nazareth, and that was in Galilee, and then as an adult, he moved to Capernaum along the sea. That's in Galilee as well. Pretty much most of Jesus' followers are from Galilee, so he led a Galilean movement. Southern end, you see Judea, and you, there, I put a little star there where Jerusalem is, uh, home of the temple, uh, and between Ga Galilee and Judea is Samaria. Normally, if you're a Jew and you were traveling between Galilee and Judea, you would avoid Samaria. Don't go through Samaria. And you do that by walking along the Jordan River. You know, I was just thinking about it recently that the name Jordan River sounds like a great name for a country singer, don't you think? Yeah. Jordan River. Yeah. So if you're a singer, male or female, and you're looking for a stage name, I think this is it right here. Okay? Instant recognition. Jordan River. Anyway, Jews uh, walked along the Jordan River to uh, avoid Samaritans. Now, why did they want to avoid Samaritans? Well, now we have to get into the history. After King Solomon died in the 10th century B.C., God's chosen people split into two countries. The northern kingdom uh, retained the, the name of Israel, and the southern kingdom uh, took the name of its largest tribe called Benjamin which later got morphed into Judea. A after a couple of centuries of being persistently wicked and, un and unfaithful to God, the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians. Many of them were taken off into exile. They, they, they never came back. They lost their identity as Israelites. Those who remained married people from other nations, other faiths, and they became, their, their, their faith became kind of a hybrid, a mixture of believing in the God of Israel and worshiping the, of the idols of the other nations. And that is who the Samaritans are. If you were a devoted Jew, a Samaritan was both r racially impure and religiously inferior. You didn't want to mix with them. They were racially impure, religiously inferior. And even though they kind of claimed to be God's people or part of God's people, to a Jew, they were not. But interestingly, Jesus did not avoid Samaritans. In fact, sometimes he intentionally went into Samaria. So I'm going to invite you to open your Bible with me to John chapter 4, uh, verse 9. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a pew Bible right there. Just grab it. Uh, find it on page 1066. And I always like to say, um, I don't always remember, but I like to say that if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, one that you can read, take that pew Bible home. It's yours. Have it. Keep it. Uh, that, would, that would be wonderful. Now, um, 
Jesus and his disciples had been traveling all morning through Samaria. It was noon. The sun was hot and beating down. They were tired. And they, they saw a well. And they stopped. Jesus sat down to rest. Uh, the disciples went to the nearby uh, village to go buy food. And I'm sure Jesus would have liked to drink, have some water, have, have a drink there at the well, but he didn't have a jar to lower down into the well. Then, after a while, a woman uh, came to the well with her jar to get water. Now, it's odd that she came alone. Because fetching water was usually kind of a social event for women. You know, chatting along the way, catching up. And then uh, it's also odd that she came at noon. Because usually this would be a morning ritual. And, and a lot of preachers through the ages have kind of wondered if that says something about her, her relationship with the other wim women there in, in the village. Maybe things weren't quite good there uh, later Jesus tells us that he knows that she's been married five times and is now living with a man she's not married to we don't know what happened whether she she uh, left those five husbands or they left her or whether they died or some combination thereof but I wouldn't be surprised if her neighbors considered her life more than a little bit scandalous it was also not normal for a Jewish man to speak to a woman he wasn't related to, let alone the woman he'd never met. But, of course, Jesus isn't normal, right? He strikes up a conversation, uh, and notice what he does. He, he starts by asking her for a favor. He asks her for a drink. He puts himself in the weaker role as the needy person now in the conversation he's going to offer something to her as well but that isn't where he starts he lets her be the generous one he asks her for a drink and you know I think there's a lesson in that for us if you want to help someone you just can't come in charging in like you own the place right you, you might, it might be a lot better off if you, if you come in, ask for help. Ask for a favor. Let them be the giver. If you have your Bible open now to John chapter 4, uh, verse 9, this verse is sort of our, our, our scripture focus for today. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So she's shocked. He's a man. He's a man. She's a woman. He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. What's going to happen next? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Oh, that's an old line from Ghostbusters. Never mind. Jesus, Jesus uh, tells her about life-giving water which is his metaphor for new life in the Holy Spirit. And you know, of all of the one-on-one -on -one conversations that Jesus had with people that are recorded in Scripture, this is the longest one. We didn't even read all of it. This is the longest conversation we know of that Jesus had with anybody. 
And he's letting her know that she is more than her ethnic identity. She is, she is not any man's property. She is a person created in the image of God, capable of having faith, able to receive the Holy Spirit. And God can work through her. Later in the chapter, she introduces her entire village to Jesus. And a lot of people believe in him because of her. So, see what Jesus has done? He has broken down the walls that divide Jew and Samaritan. He has broken down the, the walls that divide women and men. And even today, Jesus is breaking down walls. Did you know that? We in Christ are one people. African, European, Asian, Native American, Middle Eastern. And you know, that's, that's what heaven's going to look like. Did you know, right? In, in the book of Revelation, in the Bible, John sees this vision of heaven. And Revelation 7, verse 9, he says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is our future. This is where we're headed. And we pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One of the things uh, on Sunday mornings when the kids come up for children's time, I'm becoming more and more aware of, of what a racially diverse group this is. I don't know, have you noticed it? And, and I love it. I think Jesus loves it. And when we had our Easter egg hunt there across the street in the park, I mean, it was even more that way because our zip code, 68137, which we call our Jerusalem, is becoming more racially diverse all the time. I noticed a couple of moms at our Easter egg hunt who didn't speak much English and they brought their kids and the, the women had these scarves wrapped all around their head to cover all of their hair which may, would lead us to believe that they were probably Muslim. Did, did you see them? I know a lot of us were there. And uh, I think just as Jesus talked with the Samaritan woman, he would have talked to these Middle Eastern moms. On Thursday, I uh, stopped in at Central Middle School where we had about 10 uh, people helping with the vision and hearing screenings for sixth graders. And, uh, you know, they would, they would send, you know, a class of kids down every few minutes. And, and uh, I noticed that the students were predominantly Caucasian, but Central's becoming more racially mixed. And you see the same thing at sporting events and concerts. This is our neighborhood. This is our Jerusalem. And so here's the big thing I want to say to you today. Breaking down walls starts with loving enough to learn. I hope you'll write that down in your bulletin somewhere. Some way you can take that home, take it to your group. Breaking down walls starts with loving enough to learn. One of my friends uh, grew up in North Omaha. I grew up on a farm about 30 miles away but it might as well have been a thousand miles. When I was a kid, 
everybody I knew was white. Everybody. My school, my church, my 4-H club, I mean, everything. I have no idea what it's like to grow up black in the inner city. But I'm listening. And the more I listen, the more I learn. Kind of a comparison here. I, I've had a car since I was 15. My first car was a 58 Chevy that refused to start when the temperature got above 70 carburetor issues I guess you know and uh, after that my dad pretty much stuck with Dodges and Plymouths that were kind of well used but they were cheaper and uh, at one point all three of my brothers and I we all owned Plymouth dusters that our dad had found all four of us guys I mean we could have made a commercial for him right and whenever my dad, you know, thought, well, this car's getting kind of up there and mild, made kind of no longer safe or reliable, he'd go find a different one. Thanks to him, I had five different cars between the ages of 15 and 23. What a deal, huh? <laughs> my friend, who grew up in North Omaha, did not own a car until his late 20s. And he didn't have a dad at home either. When my son was a teenager, I never thought once, it didn't even cross my mind to tell him to not wear his hood up in a parking lot because people would then be afraid that you're going to rob him or rob them. But you know, I know black parents that tell their kids this all the time. See the article in the paper yesterday? Uh, about the athletic director in Schuyler. Any of you see it? If not, go back and look it up or, or read it. Uh, Hispanic students, 80% there, uh, f they, they face taunting from kids from other schools. They get called racist names. They get spit upon. They're told to go back to Mexico. After Omaha South lost a soccer match to Millard North a few weeks ago, someone posted on Twitter, What's wrong with South soccer? Trump's presidency taking a toll on your talent? I messaged a guy I know who covers these high school games. And he says he's heard it too. He says that article was spot on. Maybe you didn't know that. I'm sure there's a lot that I'm not aware of. Breaking down walls starts with loving enough to learn. To learn what's going on. This morning, uh, we have the privilege of learning from a guy named Ron. Uh, all 39 churches doing the Love Can series are getting to see this video today. So uh, sometimes it might be a little challenging to catch every word that he says, but I think you're going to get the, most of it in the big idea. So let's watch. How many donuts you want? Give me, give me a half a dozen. What? Give me a half a dozen of these. These right here. And you want some glaze? And give me a half a dozen of glaze. Hi, my name is Chaplain Ron Smith. I'm serving here at Douglas County Youth Center, and I've been serving here for 12 years. Yeah, I was born in a single parent house, one brother and four sisters. I was the second oldest. My mom did pretty much 
everything she can do to try to keep us on track. Uh, she was a very hard disciplinarian. I mean, you know, I grew up with uh, structure and order. My mom put it out that she was five foot two, but she carried a big stick. I landed myself on drugs early, uh, 14 years old, weed every day. You know, drugs was always a part of our community, uh, domestic violence, uh, fighting, gang affiliation, so different things that any city you do. So by the time I was 19, I got shot, then I began to think about my life. My girlfriend got pregnant. Life done bottomed out for me at this point. And I made a decision to commit a um, robbery. And I knew once I made that decision, it was going to cost me something. But I wanted to put it all on the table. So I got with a couple of young guys. We went into the store. We made the people lay down. I jumped over the counter, took the money, and we wear guns all over the place, scared them. We're going to be about five minutes later, we run out the door. We get away with a whole bunch of money. And that night, I would get high. Like I never got high before. And, and that would be an ongoing thing for about 30 days. They finally caught me, and when they caught me, I was coming out of a crack house. Uh, couldn't run, was just devastated. Uh, life had just bottomed down. So when they put the handcuffs on me, they had the right guy. A lot of people think I was arrested, but I was really being rescued. Oh, I saw two guys in jail. <laughs> They, they, they came back to the unit, they had donuts. And I'm like, man, where'd you get those donuts from? They said, well, we get those donuts from church. I'm like, church give away donuts? They're like, yes. The next Sunday, I went to church, and I walked in, and they saw a table full of donuts and a table full of Bibles. White preacher got up, started preaching about this white Jesus. That's, that's what he was to me. He was a white Jesus. He wasn't a black Jesus. But white guy get up and start preaching about Jesus can get you out of jail and keep you out. And I'm sitting on the front. So I had questions. I asked him, I said, what are you talking about? He goes, uh, having a personal relationship. I said, how do you do that? He said, well, we pray for you. I said, well, what, what, what do you need me to do? He said, bow your head and close your eyes. I said, hold up. No, I'm not closing my eyes. There's 60 guys back there. Whatever God's going to do, he's going to do with my eyes open. When he get through praying for, me, praying for me, he gives me two donuts and a brand new Bible, a King James Version Bible. That was my first experience of really feeling church. I'd been to church several times in jail. I was pretty sure wasn't nothing going to happen, so I'm going to enjoy these donuts. And little to my understanding that God was doing something. And I mean, to this day, it was powerful. So I grew up front row seat, you know, about the hatred of whites against black. So in turn, I don't like white people. They don't like us because I'm black. I don't like them because they white. God dealt with my heart, though. He showed me that it was not about black or white. It was about humanity. So God ripped me to shreds. And about a year and a half later, I picked an all-white jury in front of a white judge, in front of a white prosecutor. I had a white public defender. The people I robbed was white. I had a public defender said this. She said, could you have the wrong guy? And it's not what she said, it's how it sounded when she said it. In the courtroom, I'm like, yeah, they got the wrong guy. I never robbed nobody as a Christian. The old me is dead. Five hours later, they found me not guilty, and I stood in the courtroom and cried, and I, my life would never be the same. Some people think black people are the most aggressive and, and angry and confrontational folks you ever want to meet. <laughs> Sometimes that's true.
and, and some people think white people are rich and, 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 and full of uh, bigotry and selfishness and don't want to give. So if we're going to bring the city together, we're going to have to get out, we're going to get uncomfortable. The church is about Christ. Christ is about humanity. So one barrier that can be broken, that would be these, this racial barrier, that just because you're white, you're privileged. No, just because you're black, you're poor. No, no, just because we're human, we're loved. <laughs> just because we're human, you love. Because I think the greatest treasure of God's heart is humanity. So love can heal all. Love can. I like his story. I'd like to hear more of it someday. When I was a pastor in Lincoln, uh, one Sunday I was on staycation. And uh, so a friend and I went to go to the Chinese church. Uh, I'd never been to anything like that before. Parts of the service were in English, parts were in Mandarin. Uh, some of the songs we knew, some of them we didn't. But we went because we wanted to be with our sisters and brothers in Christ who are different than we are. Uh, by the way, there's a Chinese church not far from here. Did you know that? It's on L Street between Millard Ave and 144th. Uh, Living Hope is our United Methodist Church uh, Mission Church in North Omaha. It's mostly African-American congregation. I got to worship there one Sunday. Uh, some of you have been to Clare United Methodist, also African-American. Uh, some of you have been to Bridge Church, a multiracial congregation that we uh, connect with through Abide. Uh, last week, uh, Trish and I got to meet Juan Carlos Veloso. Uh, he's originally from Chile. Walt and Sandy Smith were there too and got to meet him. Uh, Juan Carlos is on staff at St. James United Methodist in Bellevue, and he leads their Spanish-speaking service every Sunday at 1130. Um, Juan Carlos has been a music teacher most of his life, and he still may do that, I'm not sure, but he's now also a preacher. And so I was thinking, you know, some Sunday, I'd like to go there. I'd also like to go to the uh, Karen uh, church that's here in Omaha. And I, I went online and I looked at uh, their church is, is uh, multilingual. They had two languages going, but neither one of them was English. <laughs> uh, the Karen people are refugees from Myanmar and Thailand, and I'm guessing these people really know how to pray. When I grew up, my family attended a small country church uh, my parents are still very active there. When I was a kid, about once a year in the summer, we'd have Visitation Sunday. You know what that is? Visitation Sunday? Most of you probably never heard of it. Uh, on that Sunday, we have no church service. No Sunday school. The pastor was on vacation, and we were expected to go visit another church somewhere. Visitation Sunday. I think most of us did it. So this morning, I want to challenge myself and you once a year. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could do to break down walls, but here's one concrete one. Once a year, take a visitation Sunday to a, to a church that's not mostly Anglo. 
What do you think about that? It'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Maybe, maybe you could, your group could go together, make it a, make it a project and, and, and uh, an outing, or maybe we have a family event that you would do. Okay, we're going to go. Pick one out and, and go that. Or, or it might be maybe when you're off traveling. Say, oh, we can kind of research and make this part of our trip. Go and meet your sisters and brothers who are different from you. I mean, heaven's going to be this way. We might as well get used to it now, huh? And we do it because love means breaking down walls. Let's pray. Well, Lord, uh, it's, it's real easy for each one of us to kind of remain comfortable where we are and who we're with and, and uh, keep it real safe. And yet, Lord, you weren't like that, Jesus. You, uh, you talked to people who were way different than you. And uh, those conversations made all the difference uh, in, in their lives and in this world. So, Lord, um, we're saying since we belong to you, we're going to do the same kind of thing. Um, we're going to go visit with a Samaritan or whatever ethnic kind of uh, person that might be different from, from me. Lord, I, th I thank you for this church and for the, the love and acceptance that I see here that encourages me so much every, every day. I thank you that, uh, Lord, you are sending us people who are reflective of our neighborhoods. Lord, I pray that, that uh, our children will know that, that this is a safe place no matter who you are. And, uh, Jesus, we thank you that uh, you have uh, you laid down your life for all people and when you bring us all home it is going to be a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe and nation and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb we pray in your name Amen <clears throat>